Today I'm speaking with my good friend Laura De Benedetto. She is the author of the books The Six Habits, which she wrote after she retired at the age of 37. Now, she retired thinking that life was going to be amazing and yet she was desperately unhappy. So it details a lot of the life lessons that she learnt along the way uh, that she encourages women of all ages to be able to incorporate into their life so that they can uh, experience true happiness regardless of where they are in their life. So enjoy. Hi, I'm Natalie Ledwell and welcome to Not Over, Just Different a podcast for women of a respectable age facing life's next new chapter. So grab a cup of tea and pour yourself a glass of wine and join me for some deep, real and candid conversations about everything from health, aging gracefully, relationships and how to make the next 50 years even better than the first. Well, hi everyone and welcome to the podcast for this week. This week I have actually a new friend a new girlfriend that I've met just recently and we have become, uh, well, I think we're kindred spirits. You know, we're both, we both shoot from the hip. We're both very straight talkers. Uh, we both have a very similar way in how we um, structure our message so that it's very easy to understand. It's very easy to duplicate. There's lots of exercises and there's things that you can do that are really practical in the way that you can implement this information to really bring a change to your life. So my new friend is Laura DiBenedetto and she is the best-selling author of The Six Habits, Practical Tools for Bringing Your Dreams to Life. Hey, Laura. Hello, hello. <laughs> so great to have you here. Um, and uh, The Six Habits are um, basically the formula for a successful life. You nailed it. And it doesn't matter where you started from, where you are right now, how old you are, where you live, it doesn't matter. These six habits still can apply to anybody's life, correct? Yes. Would you like a job working for my company? Because you're saying <laughs> it so well. <laughs> I mean, you're really nailing it. Yes. It, you don't need to be special. That's the most amazing thing about the six habits is you can just be average Joe or average Laura or whomever. And as long as you apply the principles, no matter where you start from, you will see massive change in your life. Yeah. Now, talking about massive change, uh, you have been through some massive change. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we were talking about the other day. So uh, can you just share your story a little bit about all the, you know, because those of us who, who've reached a certain level of success, it was never a straight line. It was never an easy road. And there's always a few, you know, bumps and bruises that we get along the way. And you are no exception to that. No, no, not at all. So sure, I'm happy to tell you about it. So um, I started my first company when, when I was 19 years old. And uh, I started it actually in response to having 14 jobs in one year, quitting half, being fired from the other half and feeling like a big fat loser. Um, and I just really didn't want to work for anyone anymore. I was like, this is not for me. So I started my own company, messed up a lot. Uh, always chased success, found great success, made a lot of money, did some cool stuff. Um, but then I retired at 37, which was really a big deal, except I wasn't happy. I was feeling cheated. I was like, well, I did all this. Where's my prize? I wanted to be happy and I wasn't. So being the type A entrepreneur, I see a problem and I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. So I tried to solve it, figure out um, 
where I went wrong and everything. So I worked on a way to make myself feel better. And that's where the whole six habits framework came from. It was research and figuring out how I could feel better. And then because I'm not greedy, I shared it with other people. They started changing and feeling great. And I got courage. They got courage. I found my strength and started expressing like strong, clear boundaries and really just falling in love with myself and my life. And I'm the happiest person I've ever been. And other people are too. So this is too good to keep for myself. I have to share. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, you live in Maui. Which I do. Which is a terrible place to live. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. I know your heart's bleeding for me. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so you're living in paradise. Uh, you have this new book that's come out. Uh, so uh, when you retire at 37, now there is not many people that get to do that. Um, so nope. there was obviously a certain level of um, societal success that you had mm -hmm. reached. Uh, mm -hmm. So tell us, tell us a little bit about the the echelon to where you had got to, um, but then why did you? Why were you so unhappy when you sure. when you achieved everything that you know most people would go well? If money brings you happiness and you had all of that, what was the problem? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So yeah, I did retire at 37 and it was met with some interesting external reactions. Like you retired. Sure you did. I got a lot of that. I'm like, no, really I did. Um, even some people in my own family, they're like, yeah, okay, Laura. Okay. Except I'm moving to Maui and you're not. So maybe you should believe me. <laughs> but um, the thing about it is when you achieve because of the wrong reasons, just feels like crap when you get there and even if you do get there and it doesn't feel like crap you still don't have the right lens through which to like really appreciate anything so I did I did all the work right and essentially I kind of sold my soul to be successful and you know uh, achieve and, and accomplish so much at such a young age and I, I did all that but god it came at like so much personal expense to me I was stressed out for like 20 years to the point where I was having anxiety attacks I was literally bleeding inside from all the stress oh, I mean, success is great, but if you skid to the finish line on your face, that's eh, not really the goal. <laughs> so that's kind of where I went wrong. Like I just chased all the wrong stuff and I achieved because I hated myself and I always wanted other people to think I was good enough because I never thought I was good enough. And I failed a lot in my business and I couldn't see that it gave me incredible strength and fortitude until I had some distance from it. I just... I don't know. I was just filled with like so much regret over like, what have I done to myself? Like money can buy happiness to a degree because it can give you the opportunity to put yourself in circumstances that do make you happy, like travel, like moving. And that part is true. But when you sit at home and you're still sitting in your bathrobe, no matter where you are in the world, it doesn't matter how much money's in your bank account. If you don't like who you are, if you've made yourself sick with stress and you're literally in so much intestinal pain you want to cry on a daily basis it kind of doesn't matter and that's what I needed to fix right so uh so from 19 to 37 you were basically busting your guts just to 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 yeah. reach this certain certain level um so when you did retire, so what made you make the decision to retire? Because, I mean, you were 37 and you're an A-type personality. I'm, I'm thinking that transition might not have been as easy as, as we all think. <laughs> you are correct. It was actually very 
weird. Um, so I was 32 when I started to feel some burnout because I had been doing things the wrong way for so long and I was achieving cause I didn't like myself and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I don't care how much you love something 20 years of it when you're doing it all for the wrong reasons and you're just achieving from a place of just like yuck, it just will burn you out. That's just the truth. So at 32, I was like, uh, this isn't good. I think something's wrong here. And I think I was math 13 years in and um i just really needed to find a solution so i was like all right what's my exit plan um now i always tell people you should build your exit plan before you even build your company um but i didn't know that and i was just you know 32 and scrappy so i started looking you know do i sell my company do i dissolve it do i try to grow it and what do I do? And I actually decided that the best thing for me to do would be to look for a successor that would assume 49% of the company and they would earn their way in so they didn't have to pay me anything in the beginning. So they essentially bought half the company, but I got to groom this person and find the me of my dreams, but someone that approached the job from probably the right heart space (laughs) um, that wouldn't burn out the way I did. And, um, I found her when I was 34, 35. um, And we spent like three years basically firing me. And I've never enjoyed being fired so much. Um, But except once I finally fired myself and retired, you know what was left? Silence. And just me sitting there, oh, uh, well, I used to be a big, powerful CEO. Now who am I? Hmm. And I faced this massive, massive, like, Um, identity crisis and death of identity and just really having to fully redefine myself. And I let go of a dream that I had like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to open this awesome um, uh, fancy upscale bakery thing in uh, Massachusetts. And that turned out to be more stress than it was worth. And I was just really kind of hit a emotional rock bottom and it actually, it sucked. It was awful. It really hurt. And, uh, I'm actually really grateful for it because I get to rise like the Phoenix from the ashes. So yes, please burn me down. Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, your story actually reminds me a little of, um, of when, uh, my, my ex-husband and I, we had owned a nightclub in Sydney in the nineties and, uh, you know, it was the number one nightclub in Sydney. We were people of influence, we were people, you know, that everyone knew. Mm -hmm. And then when we sold the nightclub, it was like all of that and, you know, I, I, just, I say celebrity, it done because we were, you know, it was that scene kind of thing. It was a status. It, it was a status. And then once that was gone, it was like, oh, dang. And, and I, I'm imagining that anyone who's, you know, so you a, a lot of us in midlife are going, okay, you know, I'm ready to reinvent, I'm ready to do something else. Or even if we just like, I don't know what the next thing is, but I need to walk away from whatever this last thing is because otherwise I'm just not mm-hmm. going to be able to, to survive it. Um but then we have this loss of identity, this loss of, you know, of, of, of who it is that we are. So how did you deal with that? Um, I surrendered. Mm-hmm. I'm a master of masculine energy. That's where I lived for like 20 years is just masculine energy, push and create and shove and force and whatever. And I did lots of things through masculine energy and it nearly killed me. And I finally just broke and I... Um, I allowed myself to be broken. And that was the, that was the hard thing. And I, I'd love to be able to give you explicit instructions on how you just let the universe break you open. I don't have them. I just know that I just couldn't take it anymore. And I just kind of 
honestly, I remember just laying in my bed fully dressed for days, just like staring at the wall and just be like, I can't do this. So I don't know who the hell I am anymore. Um, I am irrelevant. I'm not the CEO. I am the CEO of doing the dishes. And my status just went from I'm super important and I make things happen to like <laughs> I just felt really, really crappy. And the, the big thing was really surrender. And, you know, I got really, um, I got impatient with myself and I got angry. I mean, I think anger really does a lot for us when we get sick of ourselves. You know, I just got really tired of that. And you know what? I stared at the wall for a good couple of days. I'm not going to lie to you, but then I got really tired of it, you know, sniff the bathrobe and I'm like, you know, maybe I should take a shower. This isn't really working for me. So I just started to like think like this cannot be the rest of my life. It just can't be. I did not work this hard and do all this for nothing. There must be a tiny tweak or something. So I just, I started to get to work. And for me, it's like, I like solving problems. And I just, I was actually plagued by one question. I remember this distinctly. The one question was like, why is it that I've done all the things. I've been to all the Tony Robbins workshops. I've been a student of books and all the audiobooks and the this and the that. Why do I still feel like crap? And I wanted to find the answer to that question. And that's what kind of set this whole Sixth Habits mission and in into motion is just like, how do I stop feeling like garbage inside? Um, and I actually got really excited. Um, and the thing is, like, I really only sought to like just solve why I felt like crap. I wasn't expecting to find my life purpose. I wasn't expecting to find anything. I just surrendered to me being the way I am and just being a problem solver. And I just leaned into answering one question. What went wrong? And that's it. And it just kind of like started to fall like dominoes after that, like piece after piece. And then, you know, somewhere in all of the crazy madness and my flurry of uh, hastily scribbled index cards, um, I managed to find my joy and my purpose. And that was the surrender because I allowed myself to find something in a place I never would have given myself permission to look before. Right. So what was it that helped you to go from well, what went wrong to realizing how everything went right? Research, really. Because I started... Um, I started uh, like doing a lot of it, a lot of research and just writing stuff down and just pulling stuff out of my head and just be like, all right, I've taken all these classes. I've done all these things. I've been the retreats like in Massachusetts, there's a great retreat center, Kripalu, like it's world famous and I live like minutes from it. So I used to, uh, used to go there and it's like, if I have had access to world-class education, what do I remember? So I just started writing down everything I remembered and then started looking at my behavior, started looking at research and scientific journals and psychological journals and just looking and reading and reading. I mean, God, I was geeking out hardcore for this stuff. And um, at first it was just all data collection. I just wanted to see what was out there and what was still in my head and what stuck around after all the years of going to, you know, the classes and the workshops and the this and that. And a lot of good stuff stuck around. But what I didn't understand is why it never... Um, stuck around in any sort of like actionable way. And that was the thing that led me down the path of habit and realizing like, huh, there's something to this habit thing. So then, then I was like, well, why don't I do these things? I know the right things to do. I know them, you know, you, Laura, sit on your meditation pillow. You always feel amazing. And yet I don't. Why? So I just, I got really irritated, but also inspired. You ever like, get like that when you're trying to figure something out? <laughs> it just, I mean, Hello. it was so, right? Hello. <laughs> but it was so like awesome to be able to have like a 
toy for my mind to play with and just like tease this thing out and figure it out. And I actually really loved the journey of being able to just answer the question, like, if I know these things, why don't they stick? So then I started looking into the science of habit. That was divine intervention. I swear to God, the universe was like, I'm just going to nudge you a little bit. We're just going to look down that road, that one. Okay, fine. So I started looking into habit, researching habit, reading books on habit, looking at the science of habit and how it works and why humans do the stuff we do. And dude, my mind was blown. I just started learning stuff and just, I was like, okay, I think I might be able to unscramble this egg. So I started to uh, run some experiments on myself and see, is this actually true? And God damn it, it is true. And turns out the habits that I needed were not like floss every day, which I finally, at my dentist's request, finally floss every day. But that's not the habits I'm talking about. <laughs> like these are like habits of my relationship with me. And that's why they're so accessible because like you have had you your whole life. You're already good at half this stuff, if not all. You know, many of us are, but we don't know what we're doing that's right. So it's tough to replicate. But once we actually have a framework, then it's like, oh, and like all the lights in the house go on. And you're like, shoot, this has been under my nose the whole time. And it's actually easier than I thought. And then all the things like happiness and satisfaction and real success, like money's nice, but that's not the real success indicator. Success comes from within. And like all that stuff is a byproduct of what happens when you get really super good with you. Yeah. And that's what because I Because the thing is you can be super successful, but then not have high self-esteem, not right. feel good about yourself, um, mm-hmm. you know, have unhealthy habits and have, you know, actions and behaviors that are not in your best interest. All beca- and, and even though you've got this external success, mm-hmm. can, you know, considered, considered by society, um, it isn't success. Because, you know, you're just dead right. inside, you know. or Basically. Yeah, exactly. So with the Six Habits book, is it, um, is it science-based or is it spiritually based or is it a combination of both? So we're kind of new besties here. So you already know I'm not a really super fluffy woo-woo kind of chick. Mm-hmm. Um, I like pragmatism and I like logic. So um, a lot of this is based in... Um, science it's based in results and the science is not so much i did like um research with like a bunch of lab rats and whatever it's all like human trials with like me and with other people and clients and seeing like real world results but it's also the science of like what it takes to actually properly form a habit what it takes to break a habit but what the specific habits are and then how to execute them um using like real world stuff you know you just said something a minute ago that I really just want to bring an excellent example to. You just said that you can be really, really successful and still do lots of bad things. You know where a great example of this lives? Hmm. In the music industry. Look at all of the musicians and all of these famous artists that we love and idolize and we buy their CDs and whatever. How many of these people have a drug problem? Yeah, lots. Lots of them do. And Quite famously, Demi Lovato. Right. And well, so. she has a, a massive self-esteem problem too. Correct. And fame can't fix that. Success can't fix that. Self-love and self-acceptance and kindness and gratitude and all of those wonderful habits, they, those are the things. I mean, I would love to send a book to all of these famous people. Be like, here you go. Please feel better. The world needs you to feel better. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so give us an example of what the six habits are. Well, well, tell us what the six habits are. 
Sure. So I'll tell you what they are briefly, and then I'll give you like a very brief explanation. That way they make sense. So the six habits are kindness, acceptance, gratitude, presence, goodness, and intention. And when people first hear me say kindness, they always think kindness to other people and generosity. And that's nice, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking to kindness to yourself, being your own nurturing parent, not the internal bully that says, you can't do it. You look fat today. No, the nurturing parent that says, I believe in you. You got this. And that's a habit. You have to, that's got to be your default. Second habit is acceptance. Acceptance is radical, unconditional love for yourself. Despite all your flaws, despite your cellulite, despite your mess ups, your bankruptcies, your fight with your husband, you're still great. You know it to the core of your bones. Gratitude. Lots of people are like doing the little 10 things of gratitude every night before bed. I love that, but this goes way deeper. It's being it's, um, be being in gratitude for the stuff that goes wrong in your life, the fights you have, the, the trials you face, the moments that you failed, um, the things that really sucked. What can you find in them to be grateful for, right? Habit number four is presence. As a person with ADD, I fully will be the first to admit this one's a struggle for me, but I'm as close to mastery as I think I'm ever going to get. <laughs> and it's really like, you know, put your damn phone down. It's stop focusing on the future. Stop focusing on, um, you know, the past and worrying and being caught up with the virus and the riots and the this and the that. It's like literally this moment, you're safe. This moment's good be with this moment. This one's a good one. So the fifth habit is goodness. This one's simple math, adding good, subtracting bad. We allow way too much toxic energy in our lives in the form of people, news, hello, social media. Oh my God, it's way too much. And toxic people that have boundary issues and blah, blah, blah. We need to get really good about like putting a little fortress around ourselves and putting lots of good things inside the fortress. Like you know, having mojitos with a girlfriend or reading a book that you love or just hanging out with a cat in a sunbeam because that makes them happy. You should try it. You know, the final habit is intention. And that is the habit of getting off your butt. That is no matter how hard the thing is in front of you, taking inspired action, even if it's teeny tiny little action, just move and don't be the passenger in your own life. Don't let someone else dictate to you how it's going to go. You're not helpless. You don't need the government to support you. You don't need to rely on unemployment. You don't need to like be a victim. You can totally write the own your own script for your own life. So when you put all these habits together, they connect to each other, they support each other, and when you are living in that massively amazing, sexy zone of mastery of all six of them, there is not a damn thing you can't do. You are bulletproof. You will not be discouraged. You will not be dissuaded. You will not be held down. You'll just know, I got this. Life's good. I'm fine. Yeah. That's it. I love it. Yeah. One thing that you just said about gratitude and being grateful for the the, the shit, you know, the stuff that goes wrong and that, that we don't expect. <laughs> um, I, I love that because we sometimes forget that the catalyzing events like COVID, like the, the protests, the catalyzing people like ex-lovers or ex-husbands or ex, you know, or, you know, family members, um, how even when they're being catalyzing in their behavior – it's happening for your highest good. Oh my God, you're so right. Yep. And if mm -hmm. we can remember that in the moment rather than getting triggered and getting off kilter, uh, mm -hmm. then it can really help 
with us navigating life with flow and going, okay, right. mm, all right, you're acting like an absolute b-hole right now, but you know what? <laughs> I know you're doing this for my highest good, so... Uh, <laughs> Even though you don't realize it. Yeah. Thank you for being an agent of the universe. Yes. <laughs> no, it's crazy, and you're so right about that. I mean, I remember, like, you know the world is crazy right now. Things are on fire. Like, it's just a really, really weird time. But like, there's what happens. And then there's how we feel about what happens. This is really what you're saying. And like what gratitude is when it's really like a gratitude lifestyle. Like you get to choose how you respond, not react to something. And I mean, look, I'll be the first one to tell you, it's even in my book. Like I was in an abusive relationship when I was younger and I still choose to respond to that with gratitude because God, it brought out the lion inside of me. And I'm actually really grateful that I got to see the power that's always been inside of me. I didn't unfortunately discover my power by walking on hot coals at Tony Robbins event. I got the crap kicked out of me, but I still found it. Mm. So yay. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. just take the win, <laughs> take the win. That's it. You know, can that guy go die in a trash fire somewhere? You bet. I still forgive him though. <laughs> No, exactly. And the other thing that you that you talked about that I that I find is very interesting is is and very important is setting healthy boundaries. You know, Brené Brown says that the happiest people in the world are those who have healthy boundaries. So, how do you I set love her. Yeah, how do you set healthy boundaries? How do you do that? Um, I think the trick for me with setting healthy boundaries that I actually like to encourage other people with is you got to be cool with other people not liking your boundaries and hold them firm anyway. Cause like, you know, I'm, I've gotten really, really good at being super nice about expressing the boundary, but keep in mind the people that give you crap about your boundary are usually the people that don't want you to have it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've got boundaries with family. I've got boundaries with friends and clients and um, all kinds of people. And, you know, I find that like, for the most part, people that see the world the same way as I do, I don't usually need to talk about my boundaries. They just kind of live the life the same way. And that's cool. But for other people that don't share the same worldview, um, like my husband, he and I are very, very different people. And it's great. It makes life interesting. But with him, I'm, you know, I am just very polite. This is my boundary. This doesn't work for me. And I will continue to repeat myself until the, um, the boundary is ignored. But I, I don't engage. And I think that's really the tough thing. I'm just picking on my husband. as just an example. But like whatever it is, usually people will give you like the yeah, but. Oh, I hear your boundary, but I just need this one thing. No, I just. Nope. That's not going to work. Like I'm not going to give you what you want. And matter of fact, even if I was now because you crossed my boundaries, I'm going to specifically make a point to not give you what you asked for because in my world, I matter more than you. And it's not about ego. It's about like, this is my personal life. This is my journey through space in my own personal meat suit. Stop messing with me. Like, I know you've got your feelings and you want what you want. It's nice to want things, but it doesn't trump my very justifiable need for this boundary that keeps me safe. Yeah. No, you got to be okay with not being liked, really. Yeah, and I think too, I mean, there's always a way, There's, I mean, there's always a way to be able to communicate something like that too, uh, totally. especially when you're in a relationship that maybe it's family or, uh, you know, maybe it's a spouse and, you know, you've had, you've been together for 20 years or even longer and so there's been a certain way of communicating or a certain way that they've treated you or they've 
overstep the boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. And so all of Sometimes a sudden... Sometimes by accident. Yeah, no, totally. But the thing is, like if someone, if they know someone is, if you know, if they know if they ask someone a favour, they know that person is always going to say yes, then of course they're the first person they're going to ask the favour of, right? Mm-hmm. So as soon as that person goes, mm, no, I'm not going to do that anymore, it's like... <laughs> does not compute, does not compute. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there's a lot of pushback. There is a lot of pushback. Um, and so, you know, and, and they may come back again and come back again because it's a force of habit. Like their habit is yes. that you're the first person that they're going to go to because they know that you'll always say yes. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be patient with the fact that it's going to take them a few times to and get And clear. Mm. And you need to be willing to repeat yourself. I mean, you know, like I've had some relationships evolve over the years. And, and that's good because it means we are evolving and we're changing. But like as we evolve, we learn more about ourselves. We learn more about what we need and what we can tolerate and what we can't tolerate in our lives. And, you know, the people that really love us and really want for our highest and best good, they will make mistakes. But they they do want to do the right thing. Like I know this, like, you know, my parents, they've stepped on my boundaries. I've stepped on theirs and it's never intentional. But the thing that's really helpful is being clear and loving. What's not helpful is being a jerk about it. Like there are some people out there, they're just really unpleasant when they're expressing their boundaries. But like, like if, if my mom says something to me and she hurts my feelings, I'll be like, mom, we talked about this, like this particular thing hurts my feelings. And I know you didn't mean to, and I love you. Can we not talk about this? Oh yeah, okay, no problem. You know, or if I hurt her, she'll be like, "Laura, that really hurts my feelings." Crap, you're right. I apologize. And I think it's just, I don't know. We need to be willing to be gentle with other people, repeat ourselves, be reassuring at the same time, and and really be graceful because sometimes the boundary trespassers are us. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we're not perfect. Like, I have boundaries. Yeah, you're busy crossing them too. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> have some grace when you're executing all these stiff boundaries of yours, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone listening who is named Karen and you're not a Karen, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I get it. And the thing is, I used to, my thing that I used to do when I was younger was to set this impossible standards for myself that I was never going to reach. You know, and sometimes I did, so that would be great, but then there'd be many times where I didn't. Um, and mm-hmm. then the way that I would mentally beat myself up was just awful, absolutely awful. Um, and so we, you know, we're talking about a lot, like these six habits really do apply a lot to how we treat ourselves. Um, you know, and, and one of my examples is that, you know, uh, back in the, you know, the crazy nightclub days, you know, I'm working uh, with a coach at the moment and I said to her, look, you know, we had all this crazy lifestyle and, you know, by the time I got at the other end of that, you know, I'd put on weight and my body never recovered. And she said, no, your mind never recovered. Ooh, that hits below the belt. Right. And she's right. (laughs) (laughs) And she's Uh right because I still now, I'm 50 years old and I'm still beating myself up over, you know, choices and things that I made back in those days. It's like, oh my God, you know, if I... Well, this is the acceptance habit. Right. It's accepting what you've done and deciding you're worthy of self-love anyway. Yeah. That's hard. It's very hard. And you know what? I, I guarantee you, just knowing you, um, just a little bit that I know you, you have already done so much self-work to really lean into that acceptance. And even though you're telling me that you still think about some of those things and still beat yourself up, I guarantee you, you've already come miles in your journey. Am I right? Absolutely. I don't beat myself up about that anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> and, Yay, I do, and, I do, and I do, I've reframed the story, you know, because as soon that's as good. I go, look, you know, I've 
and you know and of course I was blaming my ex-husband about the, all of that as well so yeah it was all his fault he made me do it you know <laughs> which is not always true. easier when we have a bully oh, in the story right yeah but um but you know when I'm taking responsibility and I and I know the choices and then I can see all the gifts that that time brought me and how it really expanded my mind and expanded you know like we had you know uh, drag queens and lesbians and gay people and like it just really it was this really unique time uh, mm-hmm. that now I'm really grateful for. So, uh, you know, awesome. and being able to shift that story is really important too. So I'm really looking forward to your autobiography. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, there's a lot of things I couldn't put in there. <laughs> That's why you should put them in there. That's Those right. are the chapters I'll be like, flip, 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 flip. Oh, damn. <laughs> you did what? <laughs> Exactly. We all have one of those, you know. Yeah, no, I think I've lived five lives in one lifetime. <clears throat> but still, That's how it's done, girl. You know? So you're going to be one of those people that instead of skidding into your grave with like, okay, everything's perfect and pristine, you're going to be like, woohoo, with a bottle of whiskey in one hand. What a ride, yeah, right? Absolutely. Sliding That's how in. it's done. Shh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and ready for the next life. Um, <laughs> so uh, Laura's book, The Six Habits, Practical Tools for Bringing Your Dreams to Life is available on Amazon and all other bookstores or just Amazon at the moment? Just Amazon for now. Mm-hmm. Um, being that bookstores are not entirely open at this point in time, oh, it's okay. tough to get a book in them, but fear not, I will certainly try. But yeah, you can get it on Amazon. The audiobook is available for pre-order on my website. Um, there's also a free uh, download if any of your listeners are interested in What's My Life Purpose, uh, a free guide that you can check out and you can learn about um, the different ways that you can discover what you're meant to do so you don't have to struggle the way I did. <laughs> and that's the thing, like I said, with, with uh, when Laura and I met, we become instant close friends. Um, we both share this very practical, down-to-earth, easy-to-duplicate to way of teaching. Uh, there's no nonsense, and I love the fact that it's very science-based because, you know, that's a lot of what we do as well. So um, I know that our, our community would love love to to get their hands onto this um so darling uh your website again is it's the six habits.com the word six is spelled out the s-i-x habits.com um but there's also an amazon link on there so you can get the book paperback you know ebook whatever you want yeah (laughs) however you like to ingest it um exactly so darling thank you so much for, for Thank you. This has been fun. Today. I love talking with you a I lot. <laughs> Me too. Next time we have to do it over wine. <laughs> um. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, darling. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us today. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and haven't yet subscribed to our podcast, please go ahead and do so on iTunes or Spotify or go to mindmovies.com forward slash podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now remember, new episodes are released every Monday morning. And this podcast is also brand new, and we'd love to spread the word. So after you've subscribed, be a great girlfriend and pass it on to a friend who will enjoy this too. Until next time, remember, it's not over, just different.